Hello, welcome to Eyes for Ears, your ophthalmology OCAPS and Board of View podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Young and Andrew Powell. Just a reminder that these episodes are meant for medical education purposes only, not to diagnose anybody's weird thing on their eye. Each week, review a high yield topic and talk about the why and the how. This week, we're talking about... This is what you usually say. My bad. I'll let you say it. Do I usually say it? Yeah, you This week, we're talking what, about... Yeah, you usually <laughs> okay. do that. Yeah. All right. This week, it's photopsias, even though you picked it, and it's... We're talking about flashes. Ah. I don't know. Can we use the actual clip of, of uh, that song? I don't think so, you, but... Like, I don't the... know how sampling laws work. Can we get, like, two seconds of it? I... Flash. Mm-hmm. I was trying. I to know get, on mm, on YouTube yeah. you can use things very quickly. Yeah, you certainly can just say Flash Gordon because Josh Gordon in the NFL uses it all the time. Well, I don't want to say Flash Gordon. I want to say Flash. Ah. I was trying to cue Faye to do the ah part for me. Faye's my fiance for our listeners, but she's reading her book. She'd... Is all this actually going in the episode? I don't know how much it's going to go <laughs> in, but you know. Okay. This is continuing kind of our chief complaint series, which isn't a real series, but we're... Oh, I've been calling it differentials. Differentials? Okay. That's what they're listed on the website. Differential MD. Let's do it. Okay. Um, (laughs) um, So... Yeah, so someone walks in, they complain of flashes. That means they have a retinal tear, right? Maybe. Hopefully not. Yeah, out of our this list of things, it's actually only one thing among the long list of things that can cause flashes. So how we're going to tackle the topic is we're going to do use the same technique that we've used in other episodes looking at chief complaints. We're going to go anatomically, so follow that from photon to neuron. And then once we get to a target tissue where the problem could be, well, we can go through a systems-based approach and talk about the different things that can cause flashes in that target tissue okay what's the first thing light might hit that could cause a flash or a sensation of a flash anything in front of the retina which neuro-ophthalmologists love to lump in as just optical media (laughs) yeah so right like and you know there's actually not that much in the optical media that can cause a sensation of a flash like you know you might think something like asteroid hyalosis because of their shiny bits could cause some photopsias, but it's, people don't really notice their asteroid hyalosis. The only cause that could cause a sensation of a flash is um, something called a dysphotopsia from an intraocular lens. Uh, and you want to describe a, what that might look like? Yeah, there's like a lot of literature and controversy over exactly how this comes to be, but it's like the bane of every cataract surgeon when their patient comes back after like a week or two and says, I've been seeing all these flashing lights, and the cataract surgeon knows that cataract surgery itself is a risk factor for retinal tears. So everybody freaks out, they dilate the patient, they look all around, and there's still no retinal tear, and people settle on the whole thing of, well, maybe you're seeing some kind of glint around the edge of the artificial intraocular lens. Yeah. And we've seen like a lot of papers and math trying to describe this, and essentially it comes down to like you might be getting just this stray amount of light or absence of light, maybe a shadow, between the edge of the lens and your iris. So... Sometimes if a patient says, yeah, I've been seeing these like weird shadows or weird lights even, but mostly when I get up in the morning and right, like when I get to going to bed, it might be associated with their iris actually kind of 
changing its configuration from you know dilating with the eyes closed suddenly like back and forth a little bit maybe that's opening up a little bit more space for light to kind of get in or closing more space that light can't get in past that edge right as you describe it, there are two ways someone can get a dysmetopsia. There's positive, where they see like a glint of light, like usually a vertical glint of light, or negative, where it's um, like they see almost like a shade. Like some people describe it as like looking through goggles because they're getting used to their new intraocular lens. But um, it's just worth knowing that an intraocular lens, especially if it's like a new intraocular lens, um, could cause either a positive or negative sensation, um, or otherwise known as a dysphotopsia. One other thing that is in the optical media that I didn't include in the notes was uh, is Curse people you, can Benjamin. I know I, I subversion I, of the I, highest degree. The, if someone has a PI, so if they have like um, you know a hole in their iris, then stray light through that can give people glare, which you know they may interpret interpret as a flash of light depending on the light that hits their eye. Again, that's another topic that you know might be a good separate episode of discussion to talk about where you can put the pi to minimize that that but uh hold on my yeah. washing machine is continually beeping can you hear that <laughs> i do not but okay uh, cool it's driving me crazy but if you can't hear that i'm gonna I'll, I'll leave it alone no it's okay okay it's just it's driving me slowly insane okay but <laughs> that's like optical media stuff so basically if you did something new to their eye like put in the lens or did an lpi then you could think about that maybe causing the sensation of a photopsia otherwise we're gonna get to the meat of the episode which is about flashes that come from the retina. And to broadly explain why they happen, basically anything that can irritate the photoreceptors can cause the sensation of experiencing a flash of light. Andrew, what is maybe the most common reason someone will get a photopsia? Uh, If there's some traction on the retina, mechanical tugging on those photoreceptors that triggers them to just fire without a good reason and usually that's from the vitreous tugging on it right right and you know it's it's basically the opposite of we were just talking off air about phosphenes which is where you rub your eye and then you can see little lightning bolts i mean that's just mechanically pushing on photoreceptors and causing a sensation of light so in this case vitreous pulling on the retina is doing the same thing in the opposite direction which can cause a sensation of light it doesn't always have to be a posterior vitreous attachment that causes it, by the way, because I think that's how clinically um, a lot of us may think about it. Certainly a posterior vitreous attachment, i.e. the hyloid of the vitreous pulling on the retina can cause it, but other things can cause it too. For example, just moving your eye rapidly in one direction can cause a very brief flash of light, usually in your temporal visual field. That's called Moore's lightning streak. They think it's from the shock wave of the vitreous kind of splashing around in your, well, slapping around in your eye, which can cause just an arc of photoreceptor irritation, which uh, which is common in people who don't have a vitreous attachment. So someone may just notice that, have never seen it before, and come to your ED looking um, ED with that complaint. That sounds like a headache to ma- diagnose and manage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think the, the takeaway from knowing about the existence of this is even if you look at someone's retina or vitreous and you think it's attached, and even if you do like a B scan or an OCT to try to see if it's attached at all, if all looks attached, people can still get uh, photopsias from, you know, the vitreal, vitreal retinal interface without there being an attachment. So that may help just, that may help you sleep at night. 
And we'll talk about characters as some other things that aren't vitreoretinal interface problems. I can give the topsies so you can look for those things too. But but yeah, that's that's uh, Moore's lightning streak. And then, you know, as we mentioned, there's, you know, acute symptomatic PVDs is, you know, definitely something that that's why we tell people to come in, you know, within a day if they have new, new flashing lights to, to be seen. You know, when the vitreous peel, as, as it's peeling off the back of the retina, it can cause flashing lights, but it does not necessarily mean they have a retinal tear. Andrew, how often do they have a retinal tear if they have a symptomatic PVD? About 15% incidence if that's a symptomatic PVD. If it's a hemorrhagic PVD, though, that jumps up way higher, right? Way higher, yeah. But I this think... isn't the PVD episode. Yeah, it's like, what, over 70%? <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, 75 is what I kind of remember, but... Yeah, it's mad high. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, presume they have a retinal tear in that case. But the only have flashes it does not mean they have a retinal tear. So that just helps you hopefully prognosticate. You can look, you definitely look for it. Like, I would scroll depressed and everything. But that doesn't mean, like, if you don't find it, it doesn't mean that you miss something. Yeah. And then, you know, there's actual retinal tears. That causes photopsies just by having that flap that gets pulled on by the vitreous. One just important thing to remember is just because you treat a retinal tear, like let's say you have a horseshoe flap tear and you laser it, they can still get flashing lights because it's just they're pulling on the, you know, surviving photoreceptors that causes the sensation of flashing lights. It's not until there's retinal adhesion from your laser, which can take a couple of weeks, or until the vitreoretinal uh, traction is relieved that the photopsies would stop. So just because someone you laser someone they're stopping flashes doesn't mean you failed. That's the so you know we'll probably do another full episode on retinal tears and such and vitreoretinal interface problems. And that's definitely what I think you know we train our junior residents to think about when they hear chief complaint of flashing lights. But that's not the only thing that causes flashing lights. And your broadly, what other retinal conditions might cause flashing lights? Ah, oh, geez, like broadly, broadly, anything, I guess. <laughs> yeah, things that start with I, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Any kind of infectious or inflammatory uh, etiology that would irritate those photoreceptors too. Right. The obvious ones are usually you think more of the inflammatory stuff because that's what we are more used to seeing weirdly just thankfully we don't have that much infectious retinitis in the states these days Um, any of the white dot syndromes could give you photopsies in fact many of them are well known to do so in our white dot syndrome episode which is what number three i think it's been a while we talk a lot about all of them that and very most of them do cause photopsias. I think azure and mudes are like known for mm-hmm. their presenting symptoms being photopsias. Yeah, pick is pretty commonly. It might be the first thing they notice is flashes too, from yeah. um, punctate intercoriditis, uveitis that makes it all the way to the back. Posterior uveitis could do it too, and it's all kind of the same mechanism, just irritation yeah. of that photoreceptor layer for the infectious stuff. Um. Did you have much on this specifically, Ben? Because I looked up like case reports of syphilis causing photopsias. Couldn't find one on tuberculosis. Hmm. I mean, I know. Have you? Did you find any on syphilis? Or I found a single one that was titled something ridiculously exotic. Huh. Um, yeah, that's funny because that was one of my grand rounds. Was um, oh, really? syphilis with yeah flashes. 
that's actually what makes made me like look up all this shit (laughs) (laughs) great i was like oh yeah no definitely their vitreous is just attaching but then there's like a very subtle they had a metamorphosis too which led to the diagnosis of syphilis like neurosyphilis and she got iv penicillin not metamorphosis so it was the syphilis direct action on the uh, yeah. retina itself yeah they had like a placoid lesion so it was like okay. a circle of syphilis that on oct you could actually see the spirochetes in the choroid and like adjacent yeah. to them is i'm sure is where the um the, the flashes were like if you looked at the oct at the rod you know the um the ellipsoid zone and such the iso is junction it was completely like smudged out from the inflammation from the spirochetes and then after Diagnosis being treated, smudged out. Yeah, smudged out. That's what we. That's, that's what I wrote in the the, <laughs> the interpretation. <laughs> and then after she got the penicillin, it like came back to normal. It was incredible. But so her main manifestation was uh, flashing lights because she had like twenty twenty five vision or something. Like her vision was I'll, fine. I'll buy that. The yeah. case report I saw it wasn't really. It didn't seem that convincing because it was like the syphilis created internal carotid aneurysms so it was like maybe they were having photopsias more from an ischemic problem i don't know interesting very interesting but yours is like yeah syphilis can directly affect the choroid and the retina yeah makes sense yeah why they'd have photopsias then yeah so you know i guess the takeaway from that that whole thing is you know if you look at the oct and look carefully where the photoreceptor layer is and in some of these conditions you'll see disruption of that junction which could indicate that that's that there's some inflammation causing that problem in the photoreceptor layer. Yeah. Yeah. But then just one other shout out, the toxoplasmosis is known to sometimes cause flashes. Um, It's a similar thing. It's just local irritation of the photoreceptors. I think uh, while we're talking about eyes, and I kind of brought it up earlier, ischemia can also produce photopsias too. Oh, when you said talking about eyes, I'm like, dude, this whole podcast is just about eyes. But I see what eye you mean. Okay. <laughs> it's like we've been talking about eyes for like, or, or like careers. Talking about the letter I again. Brought to you by, the le- okay, sorry. Continue. <laughs> okay, Elmo, calm down. <laughs> so anything that, uh, is producing an obstruction or a lack of blood to the retina can kind of make the retina gasp out in dying breaths for more oxygen, and that would manifest as like a flat. Um, yeah, it's like any, a death whale, yeah. Irritation. Irritation or death cry, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like paresthesias, right? Like when you obstruct the blood flow to a nerve, you'll get paresthesias. Metopsies mm-hmm. are like the are visual paresthesias. And I think you actually had a great differential for this already in your transient monocular vision loss episode, right? With uh, you and Amanda talking about the highway of the blood supply to the eye. Mm-hmm. So any kind of uh, interruption or obstruction around that pathway could get you these photopsias. Um, so something like ocular ischemic syndrome from carotid occlusion or anything else that could definitely start giving you flashes of light vasospastic things you can i'll refer back to that episode just one or two one or two episodes ago two, yeah two episodes yeah. ago <laughs> and then um lastly are neoplastic conditions so the main ones are melanoma you may know that there's a popular mnemonic to memorize what makes a nevus more likely to be a melanoma and one of those things are uh, symptoms and those with those symptoms can be flashing lights the same thing is true for uvial uh, metastases from things that aren't melanoma, but could be other things. 
like breast cancer spread to the uvea you mean perfect yeah exactly yeah. yeah like whatever else can spread to the uvea which is the most common you know intraocular um malignancy and then hemangiomas choroidal, choroidal hemangiomas are known to sometimes give flashing lights as well and then last in the neoplastic column and this is can kind of cross over with inflammatory are the autoimmune retinopathies so there's cancer associated autoimmune retinopathy and melanoma associated retin autoimmune retinopathy abbreviated as car or mar c-a-r-m-a-r you know these are really from autoantibodies attacking the um either the ilm or the Mueller cells in the retina and it's thought to be that these autoantibodies are generated from having some other cancer or melanoma these are kind of scary because initially you could have no fundus findings. So if someone has autopsias and is not, you know, doesn't have a clear other reason for why they're having it and has a cancer history, then you really should follow these patients to see, you know, what's going on. And we may do a autoimmune retinopathy episode later, but that's all we'll go into it for now because it's a very tricky topic. Um, but yeah, that really covers the retinal causes of photopsias. You know, not already... to say there aren't others. Yeah, exactly. Not not to say there aren't others. So if we continue our pathway from photon to neuron, we can get to neuron now. So in some cases of optic neuritis, when you move your eye, you can sometimes get flashes of light. They think it's a, you know, from mechanical traction or mechanical stimulation of inflamed axons in your optic nerve that can set off these these flashing lights. So it can happen. It sh- probably shouldn't guide you to saying that something someone has optic neuritis or not. You can refer to our optic neuritis episodes to help figure that out. But, you know, you could explain away someone's photopsias if you've ruled out other reasons for them to have photopsias. Because remember, moving your eye around can also give you photopsias from that Moore's lightning streak we talked about before. Just a vitreous sloshing around your eye. So You can't win. <laughs> you can't You can't win. You can't win. But that also is why you can't dismiss someone having photopsias due to Moore's lightning streak from vitreous sloshing around because they may have optic neuritis. So that's why every patient, you don't just dilate them. You know, you check their vision, check their color, check uh, if they have an APD for any new patient that you have. That's why you have a system because you don't know where you're going to miss something. Any kind of irritation, inflammatory and demyelating, assumedly, will do it to the optic nerve. Yeah, exactly. So keep that in your mind, but it's not like the most like prevalent reason that someone would have flashing lights. But you keep in mind as like a possible reason. Okay, and that's, you know, unilateral photopsias. Is, I, are we done with the pathway now? I think that's it, right? We went to the optic nerve, and that's where ophthalmology stops. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could talk about big brain stuff, big brain time. Okay. <laughs> All right, meme lord, hit it. <laughs> uh, but I don't have one. That's what Amanda's for. <laughs> yeah, we'll sub in. We'll, we'll, we'll be impersonate her. All right. So other like cortical causes for photopsias, there's kind of a couple actually, starting with the first thing we all love and hate, migraine with visual aura. We are very familiar, probably by now, all you have to do is be on call for like a month as a first year and you'll become very familiar with the scintillating scotoma of migraine with visual aura. The best things to distinguish this from any other kind of photopsia that you'd be a little more worried about 
would be the duration of those photopsias. Uh, ben, what's the longest you've ever heard someone describe seeing these <laughs> from a migraine? Oh, geez, I've heard someone describe it for like hours, but uh, <laughs> I, don't know, so I don't know if that's a good example to have on here. Yeah, I'm never really sure because like the textbooks and most differentials will say it's about 15 to 20 minutes in duration. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if when we hear people say like, oh, it went on for an hour, like maybe they really have an extreme of the spectrum or they're just exaggerating. It's hard to know. Yeah. But it is helpful that it should be in both eyes. Though some people will, will, may not remember and may interpret it as being like in their left eye when really it was in their left, both of their left visual fields. And yeah. these don't have to be perfectly homonymous either. It could be like largely in your left eye and only a bit, a little bit in your right eye and like the left visual field because it doesn't have to be perfectly homonymous. And it doesn't have to come with a headache either. It can be acephalgic. Mm -hmm. Nice and confusing. Yes. Um, there's a subset of sort of these migraineurs, the, the concept known as visual snow. Uh, we, we won't go like completely into detail about this, but some people can get binocular visual snow where it looks almost like they have TV static in their vision. So someone might interpret that as a complaint of uh, photopsias. You know, the term for it is persistent positive visual phenomena. So, you know, if you look at the papers on this, people will say like a static on a TV or like ants crawling around in their vision all this disturbing stuff. They usually will have migraines, but they don't have to. And in general, it's a it's a benign thing. Like you don't, I think most neuro-ophthalmologists won't even image these people. Like you could, but the yield of getting anything on imaging is vanishingly low. So it's just something that happens to some people, but know that it's something that can happen it does not necessarily mean they have like bilateral, you know, birdshot corridor retinopathy or something. Yeah. Okay, so that's, you know, that's like kind of migraine with aura or the related phenomenon known as visual snow. Do you know that um, cortical problems can give you, you know, bilateral flashing lights? So anything that can irritate the occipital, well, the, the visual pathway in the um, cerebral cortex, like the occipital lobe, parietal temporal lobes. So that includes things like tumors, edema, cerebral edema, strokes, AV fistulas in the area. So if someone has a binocular persistent visual field defect with um, with flashing lights, the sensation of flashing lights, then that is, you know, a strong indication to to image them. Man, I yeah. never, uh, I'm just thinking when the next time is that I'm going to send my retinal tear patient in through an MRI machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If you found Jeez. the retinal tear, then it's, if, I mean, the distinguishing thing about all this stuff is it's all by, you know, it should be both eyes. So that's different. If something is, if you have flashes in both eyes, that usually means something different. Well, all fun okay. to think about. Hey, the next one is, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I saw a patient with like the, this thing called glaucoma. I don't know if you've heard of that, but they ha basically had like no vision <laughs> from <laughs> no vision from, from their glaucoma, unfortunately. And the, you know, it kind of happened relatively quickly. Then when I saw them, they told me that they were seeing it where they previously couldn't see like a bunch of flashing like objects that were like moving around and you know uh, I you know they, they they knew that those weren't real but they could see them moving around what what chapter yeah. in glaucoma do I read about this you read it in the extracurricular chapter in the neuro ophthalmology book uh, under the heading Charles Benet syndrome oh. which is more or less like phantom limb syndrome for vision 
It only really happens to eyes that have severely impaired vision. And it's really like they see stuff that they shouldn't be able to see. Right. It's either unformed, so these geometric shapes, or formed visual hallucinations, so like flowers, animals. The first case I had was a guy who told me he saw children in an elevator, which like, I mean, that scared me the fuck. <laughs> like, that was super scary that he's just like these children like playing in an elevator. So just as a summary, you can think about photopsies anatomically. So you got to start in the front of the eye with either a um, someone who had a peripheral iridotomy or an, you know, recent eye wool implant that can cause a sensation of flashing lights. Can be a problem with the vitro-retinal interface, either from the vitreous or retinal tear with, with mechanical traction. It can happen due to uh, any number of retinal problems, including infectious inflammatory, ischemic, or neoplastic problems. The optic nerve can sometimes cause it, and there's a number of cortical reasons that can cause one to have um, photopsias. I think the takeaways from thinking about photopsias are what sort of things are urgent to treat and, you know, it all comes down to doing a, a very thorough exam, not only just looking at the peripheral retina for retinal tears, but looking at things like vision, they have an afferent pupillary defect, visual field defects, and looking at the retina for things other than just a retinal tear, like tumors or white dots, and following patients up if you don't, if you, like, if you don't know why they have photopsies, continue to follow them up, um, you should make sure that you understand why they have the photopsies. That's it. That's it. That's all I got. What do you think, Andrew? Sounds great. If you if you like to be heard, you can follow us on Twitter at eyes 4 ears and number four. Uh, we also have our website, eyes4ears.com, with the number four also, and a Instagram and Twitter. We go with the Twitter because Ben's much better at running that. And that's all we have for this week. Thanks for your time. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>